Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, a knots? A knots, that's what the fuck, like travelers, like knots, like astronauts, like uh, argonauts, like uh, how many knots are there? I, I don't fucking know. Look, I'm on day five. Day five with no nicotine. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I put together a little diary for you uh, leading up to this day. And I, I, we'll get to that in a minute. I want to give you an update on the pants. What the fuck is wrong with me? What am I... 15 who the hell buys that bunch of bullshit like i care that much about pants that i'm gonna i went and watched a video that somebody sent me of jesse thorne from the sound of young america who's a real fashion pussy uh was talking about what to do with pants and i watched his video and he just soaked him in the hot water for a certain type of fade and i realized that after I'd spent that time in the bathtub, and then again, I soaked them in hot water and put them on wet and wore them all day. That I don't sense any difference whatsoever. And they're just pants, and they're not going to change that much. I thought for some reason, there was, maybe it's because I'm without nicotine, and I think that every decision I make at this point in time is a life-altering decision. I want so badly to shave my head, I can't even begin to tell you. I don't even know where that comes from. But whenever I get off nicotine or I'm clean like this, that my my sense of self is so squirrely and I'm so, you know, uh, irritable and my sense of uh, you know self-esteem is fucked. And like all I want to do now, I'm looking at my hair. I'm like, oh, my hair is old. Look at it. It's curly on the sides. I look ridiculous. I want to shave it off. And then I know what happens. And I shave my head and I'm like, oh, my God, I look ridiculous. So this pants thing, I really wanted to, to solve all all things. And I don't even know if that's relative to the nicotine. I just wanted to have all the answers. It's like my boots. It's like whatever it is. Somebody tells me, like, if I soak myself in the water like that, that they're going to be perfect, that they're going to fit me, and they're going to know me, and they're going to become part of my skin, and they're going to be the best thing I ever had on my ass and my balls and my knees and my calves and my uh, hammies. My hammies are covered. And then, like, after the second time it did, it just is what it is. They're just pants, and I'm probably going to wash them and put them in the dryer. Okay? So, fuck that. I'm a grown person. I had a good time pretending like these would answer all the questions and make me feel good about everything. They don't. They're all right. I like the color of them. I should have bought them in a different size, probably. I should have bought them a little tighter. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we'll see after I get... You know what? Forget. Just let's not talk about this anymore. I'm tired of it. So Dane Cook called me on the phone. It's very intense on the phone. I remember getting the phone call in San Francisco. Phone rings. I'm like, hello. He's like, Mark, it's Dane Cook. And like, I was thinking, like, oh my God, is it like this all the time? Do you always talk at this level of intensity? Is it just this wah? Ba, 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 ba. And it is. It is. It, it varies in, in uh, volume. Uh, I, I talked to him. And you will hear that in a minute. But first, what I'd like to do is uh, take a little hit of this. Pow! Whoa! Did I just shit my pants or what? That was iced Just Coffee from JustCoffee.coop, which you can get at WTFPod.com. I did say something on stage last night that I'm quite proud of. I said, 
we're we're jokes are like they're, they're just cocks jokes are cocks there's going to be a lot of guys up here on stage tonight and you and right on your forehead you have a third eye or the top chakra or as i like to call it the brain pussy and we're just going to try to push our joke cocks into your brain pussy and shoot a load of funny right into your mind and some of you will resist and it'll seem like rape but you know if you let it in you never know what you might experience. I said, you're going to be brain fucked by clowns tonight repeatedly. I was kind of happy with that. I enjoy doing that. I like the uh, the idea of the brain pussy. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Day five, I'll tell you what's going on today. I'm still feeling the Jones. I've got a hungry heart. My heart is hungry for closure, for satisfaction, for something that'll make me feel better. The pants didn't do it. And it, it just keep I keep thinking like I I need to have something I can put in my mouth to make me feel better. That's not a gay thing. I don't want I, I don't want a cock in my mouth. I'm doing a lot of Altoids. I seem to be filling the gap. But it wasn't like this all week long. It got pretty bad. Here is a bit of a nicotine diary, a nicotine withdrawal diary for you. Enjoy. And then Dane Cook, who I think I understand a little more as a guy who's never done any drugs, the intensity that comes from not doing anything and still needing all that love, I think answers to some of his intensity. I get it. Okay, this is it. No nicotine day one. Uh, All right. Look, I've been through this kind of thing before, but I like on, on, on this day, I have clarity. I've committed. My will is in the right place. It took a long time, well, at least a couple of weeks to work towards the decision to rewire my brain to not, you know, stick lozenges in my mouth or chew nicotine gum or that fucking snooze. The snooze is the thing that's killing me, I think. Like, how, how long can you go on telling yourself that, like, well, I'm not going to be the one that gets sick. I'm not going to be the one that gets the cancer. I'm not, you know, I I hear it happens. I, I hear rumors that tobacco is bad for you, but I, I don't think it's going to be me. I mean, how long does that shit hold up? Anyways, so this is day one. I've got some clarity. I've got the energy. But right now, I'm not freaking out because I think it's excitement. I think I feel excited and I'm not I'm not freaking out, though. It, did, it was it was sort of a tough morning in the sense that usually I wake up and I just I have coffee and I stick a really strong packet of snooze into my face and then I sit down and I enjoy it so that's not happening right now but I'm I'm excited about it because I, I've, I've made a decision though the snooze is still in the fridge but I don't want it I don't want it all right all right all right, day two, not so great. Fuck it, man. Like, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. Day two is that all of a sudden, I don't, what difference does it make? And that's a question I'm asking about everything. All right, and I didn't, I wasn't feeling that way yesterday or the day before when I was still doing shit. What difference does it make? Fuck it. See, that's, that's the sickness. That's the sickness is that my brain because it's so hungry for its for its uh, for its uh, uh, endorphin feeder, for its fucking food, for its nicotine is saying, dude, what difference does it make? Fuck it, life is short. You know, die of mouth cancer. Life is short. What the fuck, man? Enjoy what you enjoy. 
could end any second, could end during this this monologue, could end during this nicotine diary, whatever the fuck. I could, it could be like, <coughs> and then I fall, and it's over, and you will have not had uh, uh, nicotine in your mouth, a snooze, or a, or a, a nicotine lozenge. Oh. Okay. Fuck it, man. I don't know if I'm going to make it. God damn it. How can I be feeling this way on day two? God damn it. I got to throw that shit away that's in the fridge. Oh, man. Oh! Fuck! Day three. I can't, everything is fucking bothering me. I feel bad for people who have to pretend all the time that they're keeping their shit together, that they like who they're working with or that they're okay at home or that, like, you know, when you drop something on the ground that you didn't want to drop, it isn't the end of the fucking world. Because in my life right now, it is. It's making me nuts. It's like my, my entire body just is like wants to blast off or blast apart, kind of explode into particles and regroup, regroup around a piece of nicotine something. It wants to regroup. Every every cell in my body wants to regroup around nicotine. Around nicotine, I'm denying it that. I can feel the hunger in every cell of my fucking body right now. Every cell is just sort of like, dude, 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 what's up? What's up? Where are we at with this? Where are we at with every cell? of every organ, of every vein, of every blood thing, of every 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 bone cell, every fucking cell with every strand of DNA in my body is like, where are we at with this? Where, where are we at with this? What are we doing? What's going on? Come on, I want out. I want out. I'm feeling a little antsy. All my cells are antsy. They're all antsy. Oh, shit. God damn. Damn it! Holy shit! God, this craving is ridiculous. <sighs> Day four, I want to die. I'm fucking losing it. I don't know. Time is is uh, it doesn't seem to make sense. Emotions are doesn't seem to make sense. I had an active argument with my penis today. Oh, fuck. Look at the size of that spider on the wall. It better be there or else I'm withdrawing much harder than I thought. I'm on the fucking garage. It's 11. Man, I can't take this shit. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Why am I not doing this? Why does it have to be bad for me? Why can't... Why can't I just inject this shit? The only reason I'm not doing nicotine is because I don't want my mouth to turn into a fucking sewer of cancer and pus. Fucking snooze. It can't be good. And I think the nicotine gum and the lozenge just fucked up my gums. I would so be on it right now. I already feel myself. I just put on 13 pounds sitting here. And I'm fucking going out of my mind. I can't manage my brain. I did some comedy, but I was very erratic and raw and fucked up. I just don't like, I feel myself trying to talk myself into just doing the nicotine, but it doesn't make me feel good. Why not do the patch just to maintain? But why do I need something to maintain? At some point, my levels have got to fucking. (sighs) 
I've got to level off. This is the fourth day in. I'm drinking a lot of coffee. I'm doing anything I can to make myself feel better. But this is bad. It's bad. I've got a whole tin of snooze just sitting in the fucking fridge. I could just put one in my mouth and end this misery to enter a new misery or the old misery. Why don't I just smoke cigarettes? I don't... This is uncomfortable, man. I'm not sure that my baseline is good. Like, I'm not sure that, like, get rid of everything that I'm fucking, you know... I'm not... uh, I might not be cut out for this shit, this not being medicated somehow. I mean, I've been sober a long time, but this is clearly a mindfucker, this one. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not sweating or... But I'm pretty I'm pretty crazy. I just always feel like, how about now? Can we do a little now? How about now? What about now? Can we have some... How about now? We just did the podcasting. Come on, can we have a little... Well, just to have a gum or something. Come on, we just ate. Come on, dude. We just ate. Can we have a little... Come on, man. That's what my... That's what my... Uh, my monkey sounds like. Dude, 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 dude. Come on. Just a, t- just a little bit. Come on, let's have a little... Come on, man, relax us. Come on, let's have a little. Come on, just have one. It'll be good. Not well, you, uh, you can have a, f- a few, but you know, just don't go crazy, right? Don't go crazy. Maybe one a day. One a day. I've never had anything for one a day. I hear drumming in the distance. Do you guys hear that? I hear drumming in the distance. Are my levels okay? Am I not talking loud enough? See, I can't even talk like I used to. I mean, I'm fluctuating. Everything's fluctuating with this no nicotine shit. Oh my God. And I'm going to fucking eat some ice cream. I'm just going to, and I'm, I'm having sex a lot, but that won't fill the hole. Nothing's going to fill the hole except for the hole itself. Nothing's going to fill the hole except the hole itself. Fuck you, Buddha. Fuck you. And fuck this shit. I should just, I'm going to go have some snooze. Don't do it. Come on, dude. Just a taste. You can just have a little bit. You can just have one, really. Just have one. Shut up. Shut it. Oh, God. Dane Cook is setting up a camera on my bookshelf, and he's uh, rearranging my books as we speak. We'll start the interview proper when he gets done, and you think that's going to give us a shot we need? You think it's done? That's it. It's going to work? Yeah. Hey, what's up, whoever's... All right. All right. So uh, now now the pressure's on me, because I wasn't anticipating (laughs) being on camera. I'm in full makeup and costume. See, why didn't you tell me that? See, now I have been punked here. Like now, I'm going to be on your website <laughs> on the camera. Look what we did to Mark Marin at his own podcast. How are you? Can you hear yourself in your head? I can. It's very loud. Is it too loud? It's about as loud as the voices in my head naturally. But how's that? Better. That's good. Thank you. All right. I, I didn't know if you were someone who liked to hear yourself talk. Uh, no, I actually don't really like the sound of my own voice. At How's all. that possible? Because my father was a uh, broadcaster. And his outgoing voicemail message at his house was so eloquent. Just like the, one of the most beautiful radio voices. Uh-huh. He did a lot of sports commentary, which is getting back to why I'm, I why must you, watch sports. And why you couldn't uh, could do this podcast earlier because you've been so broken up about the Celtics. Yes. Yeah. Well, have you been? Have you been kicking shit around your house and crying and I, upset? I went to every uh, game from the Orlando series all the way through. I literally was on a pilgrimage to follow the Celtics. 
Are you pals with them? I, I mean, do you have some sort of, are you like floor guy? Are you like the Spike Lee of uh, the Celtics? I did pull favors, and because I performed back there, I knew some hookups to be able to sit on the floor. At the floor, garden, but, you mean? Yes. Yeah. So I was up close and personal, but uh, it's, it's yeah, I'm not happy today with the Lakers you, parade going on. But do you have a relationship with them where you can yell at them, where you can stand up and do your Dane Cookisms, like start strutting <laughs> the floor of the garden saying, no! <laughs> no, I'm actually, uh, uh, like, I feel, I'm one of those people who feels like if I'm quiet and focused, somehow I'm helping the team. <laughs> if I just If I just stare at the score... I can somehow manipulate it. I'm uh-huh. like powder bending spoons or something. Now, okay. Well, ha- do, have you had any experience where you've seen success in that concentration? Because, um, I mean, you're a very focused guy. If there's one thing I know, you're very focused. I mean, when you called me on my phone when Bill Burr gave you my number, and then I'm just walking through the streets of San Francisco, and I'm like, hello, and you go, Mark, it's Dane Cook. What? Yeah, yeah, it was very intense. <laughs> like, right right out of the phone. I'm like, oh my God, is he standing and saying that? I really thought you might have been, like, delivering I it. was actually standing on the rooftop of a building overlooking the <laughs> no, city. No, you were not. I fight crime sometimes when I'm not <laughs> no, uh, pursuing these, uh, these humorous you. shenanigans. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's so funny, man, because you're a good guy to talk to about this because I don't really know how I come across. You have a very deliberate way of, uh, of you're very focused. It's very deliberate. I am focused. Yeah. I, and it comes through, it comes all, it's like each, each consonant is like, boom. It just has a little punch to it. I treat every word like a bullet. God forbid, you know, God forbid you actually got angry. When I'm angry though, I, I'm actually, must be awful. I go the other way. Oh really? If you ask you all of my exes. <laughs> you, I, I'm the one. I get quiet. I'm like, you know, we don't need to do it like this. Oh, you okay. go that way. Yeah, you and, which is passive aggressive considered yeah. by yeah. most girls, right? And that's what gets shit thrown at you. Uh huh. Sure, that gets shit thrown at you, but yeah. you never build up. And like, if they keep pushing, you don't go shut the. F-. I did once. I had this one girl where I was like, I, I remember I said to her, I go, I go, you need to give me ten seconds by myself. And it was the thing where I was biting down so hard. You got to have rage, man, because like I see the posture. Your posture is built for rage. It's it's got to be in there. It's I, I don't know. Maybe a lot of it just comes out in performance. But I'm not a uh, I'm not an unhappy guy. I don't carry a lot of stuff around. Right. And I could. So you choose not to. You don't drink. You, I'll be honest with you. Right now, today is the first interview I ever done on this podcast without nicotine and caffeine. I, I've gotten off the gum today. You did that I, for me. Yeah, I wanted to I feel what you. it felt like to be. Uh, <laughs> Dane Cook for a few minutes. Like, I haven't drank or done drugs in 10 years, okay. you know? But, I mean, I'm usually a little amped up on shit. Gotcha. So, I, got, I probably have a little more edge to me. And oh, I'm yeah. trying to figure out how a guy can go through life without doing anything. Well, here's the thing. You know, there's all this... Uh, I mean, when I first met you, yeah. or when... I should say, when I first encountered your very powerful presence, mm. certainly you were probably in a different... Uh, place in your life where, where was that day it was a, it was in the comedy cellar and the only way i can describe how i felt when i first uh encountered you was you remember the scene in the mummy where the sand creature comes across the desert <laughs> and there's like a face in it come on that's how you were in my eyes come on. man it was me against the world when i came oh, to new york come on man. oh man everybody come on you Let's- were scared well you were intimidated i was terrified man by me you don't realize people don't realize mark that I I fought through so much. Look, we all fight through right. crazy banana shit as yeah. comedians. But my thing was when I went to New York City, I was having anxiety and panic attacks every night. I was nowhere near the persona that people saw on stage. I was very introverted, shy, and scared of all of you. 
Yeah. Really? Well, some and of them are genuinely scary, and I guess I could be. I mean, you have a very, very powerful. I heard that yourself. you thought I didn't like you, it, but you made that abundantly clear when I would say, "Hi, Mark," and you would kind of like mumble some Latin thing and All then right, just okay. keep moving. Yeah, okay. All right, I didn't like you. But that, was, a, that was a we had very thing. different uh, perspectives, maybe at that point. Yeah, I'm sure we still do. Yes. Do you think? We're, we're going to learn that today, I okay, guess. Okay, let's get at it. So, uh, no, no, no. But All right, so you get to New York. That's 1994? Uh, yeah, then and about, yeah. And you've been doing comedy, what, about four years? Came out of Boston, started in 1990, the year I graduated high school. Two weeks later, I was open mic nights at Catch Rising Star. Right, down in, uh, do I remember that? I wasn't there. I was gone. I was there for, uh, why, why didn't I meet you there? I was there 89, 90, 91. I was around. I would see you guys down there because I would go and watch open mics. Right. David Cross had cross comedy right, and right. such. And so I was just kind of hanging around there until I graduated. And then it was, okay, I'm just going to you know jump in. And I knew I was And then you created the, uh, the epic speak and spell piece. That is the first bit that ever put me on a uh, comedy map. If there That's was a right. map of comedy where, like, where yeah, there's ahas. Dane, there's the speak and spell piece. That was the beginning of what Dane Cook, this, the kernel, the seed of Cook. Yes. We call that the beginning of the novelty era oh, oh, jokes. Oh, you know? really? Do you remember when sure. jokes sure, and sure. Uh, you know, uh, all the youthful uh, enthusiasm that went into like... Uh, those All those jokes were like things that I thought of in eighth grade. Yeah. And I was like, if I ever do comedy... This is going to be funny. Uh, this is hopefully going to be funny, but not funny for years and years to come. Like, funny for a minute, and then I, I'm i going to move on. Well, how did you build that? Like, when you were in high school, like, I'm trying to figure out, you know, when you became this uh, this this social... When you, when you developed your momentum. Because I'm assuming that you were you were not always uh, charismatic. That you, were you Did you play sports? I did not. And you were you awkward? I let me tell you this. I did try for, again for my father. A lot of stuff's going to come back to George Cook, my dad. Big sports, athletic, broadcasting. So your guy. dad was the great Santini. He was a big personality, and he was a great promoter, which is something that I I definitely. What do you wanted. mean he promoted? What did he promote? self promotion? His businesses, lumber companies, window businesses. My dad was he the guy on TV going? I'm just... nobody created the ad, and he he painted his own signs, and he loved loved the political building of like you're going to meet the neighbors and where the new business is. You're gonna you're gonna you know create your own so, uh, logo and slogans, and that was my dad. So now you had how many? So you had five sisters, five sisters and a half brother, and a half brother. Now so everyone's in the house. Is this a situation where dad's home and I'm just like, what's dad need? Dad's you know, not dad- home because he's alcoholic, and in s- between 7th and 8th grade, we had a vote in my house to ask him to leave. So and had- by ask him to leave, we meant the police would come and take him someplace, and he would not be able to come back. What were the what the, were the manifestations of his alcoholism? Was he abusive? Was he screaming? Was he just, like, drunk and passed out? He was absolutely... Um, he had us... Uh, my mother used to sleep with one foot on the floor ready to jump up because he was so out of it when he drank that like my little sister Courtney she was a baby at the time he would come in and like lay down on top of her not knowing what bed he was in he was just an idiot drunk well at least it was just for sleeping it <laughs> yes okay. yes but or he'd wake me in the middle of the night and sit down and he'd drink beers in front of me and like just tell me shit so he had no boundaries. He was a blackout drinker. Yeah, he'd be he'd he'd piss Tell on neighbors' lawns. You know, he pissed on himself. Yeah, it just he didn't think. And he was I, a brilliant guy who never pursued his love sports. Again, a lot of stuff's going to come back to that, and was angry because he just never had the the right stuff to get it uh, done. Was he physically abusive? He was uh, a little bit. 
it, but that's kind of when we were like, we gotta, we gotta nix this. We gotta get this guy. So Some, you're in, you're in eighth grade. I will tell, I will tell you an incident though that I've never talked about. I'm, yeah. tr- I'm trying to write a book, which is so fucking hard. Do you by have the, the deal way. in place. They, I had a deal and I let it go to take my time and do what I wanted. A real book. At my, yeah, it was like three years ago. I gave the money back and said, I can't whip this up. I need to like really sure. take the time. But I'm, I'm starting right. to get to that stuff. Right. And the thing was. There was a night when my dad and my sister Kelly, they didn't get along. Right. They were uh they were just it was bad blood from the from the beginning. And um one night I'm in bed and my stepbrother's in the trundle bed next to me and all of a sudden the <laughs> a door trundle. the door busts open and everybody falls into the room. Sister Kelly, mom, dad, onto Daryl, my brother, and I'm sitting there and there's a knife and my dad's holding the blade and my sister's holding the knife. And my brother's grabbing my sister's hair and like just flesh knife screaming all around me where my my sister Kelly had snapped and was so sick of his demented BS that she was going to stab him. So your sister had the knife. So she went violent. My dad didn't, but he pushed her by being just like obnoxious. Truly, Mark, drove us crazy. Why was she so mad at him? Because he came in one night and he was like, how many times do I need to tell you to turn off this light when you're not in this room? And he punched her light bulb out. He punched the light bulb. He was like, if you're not going to turn it off, then that's how it's going to happen. And she went and grabbed a knife. And next Uh, thing you know, we were having the the family uh, birthday party in in a fit of rage in my room. It was after that that he left. We got together and decided. So you grew up in complete chaos. Now, uh, to some degree, emotional chaos. A lot of chaos there, but... I don't think I would have been able to do comedy or started doing stand-up comedy when I did if my dad had not been kicked out at that point. Because he was starting to get so dominant, especially me. I'm his only son. I'm not playing sports. Yeah. He wants me to. I've got an athletic build, but I'm so shy that when I try out for foot, I try for football. Yeah. I got hit. I got knocked into West Side Story, basically. I got fucking hit (laughs) into theater class. And that was yeah, it. Yeah. And he knew I wasn't going to pursue it. So mm. there was like, you could see that there was going to be some um, some battles. So in the you house. were dancing in uh, junior high. <laughs> I was I was step ball changing right into your heart, man. Yeah, yeah. I was a song and dance man. Uh, okay. Cole Porter plays. Oh yeah, anything goes. Uh, Grease, Danny Zuka, you name it, now, I did it. When you did that, w- did your father resist it, or I mean, it must have been relieving on some level. <laughs> he he didn't get it for a lot of years. Yeah, he didn't get it, and then right around ninety. When I did Letterman, 95, 96, he kind of was like, he stopped calling, asking me to come work at the golf course with him. I was like, Dad, this is going to be kind of like a a thing that I do and die trying. He worked at a golf course? Yeah, he loved golf, so we yeah. worked at one. And that's where he ended up, after the the whole arc of his alcoholism in life. Is he sober now? Uh, he passed away t- oh, I'm sorry. three years ago. I think I knew that. I apologize. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. That's okay. I didn't murder him. He no, murdered him. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> I strangled him to death. <laughs> Finally. With my bits. Yeah. I, all the ones that I'd written about him. I... <laughs> well, I think it does have that effect. Though my father likes the attention despite the fact that some of the things I say about him are negative. Sure. Does your, did yours? He didn't get it at first. Yeah. You know, when I would talk about I used to say my dad was so drunk that he'd come home and say, uh, don't mess with me because I've been around the block a couple of times, pal. I've been around the block. And I go, that's because you're too fucking drunk to find the house. Oh. And so he didn't he didn't care for that at first. But right. then he, he, I don't know, like as time went on, 
we can get to that, but you know, he he started to get it and yeah, see that. Yeah, I think like, eventually they want to have a relationship with you somehow. You know, they, I had that. I yeah. had uh, before he passed away, cancer. We had like five really strong years, yeah. and like where we understood each other and yeah. went to the Red Sox World Series together, and right. like you know, shadow box together, oh, yeah, just yeah. did bullshit, played some ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shot around. And, Getting back to like when I first got out of high school and mm. started doing stand up, it was really like, okay, I'm at open mics, uh, I'm at catch for a little bit until I quickly realized that style of comedian didn't care for maybe what I was doing. There was a lot of the alternative guys. Yeah, but it was an alternative then. I mean, there's a lot of people bombing late at night. I mean, there were plenty of cats going through there that were. Yeah, but there was a, the few lead cats were yeah. certainly not interested in what i was doing right so i started doing nicks and and like well, yeah i did those rooms when i was younger too but you felt the tension at catch already immediately really Day in 1991 one. the minute i started stand up i felt like i was uh i was uh the guy who showed up to a party that i'm not quite sure if i'm invited and you're walking around uncomfortably in the living room all night going like should i leave should i stay should i it it was it was tough for me right off the bat, and I, and now though I know that a lot of it was me because I was just I had so much fear that I think I probably projected a lot of what I thought people were thinking about me. Well, but yeah, but like, but something has happened. I mean, over time, I don't quite understand it. I mean, I never, you know, I I never was personally angry at you for 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 who you were yeah. i mean but like there was this period there where it was just like you know everybody was like fuck dane cook fuck dane cook sure. i mean me too yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i but where the why do you think that happened well i mean honestly i mean let, this is before stealing let's keep it chronological okay well because okay. we can get up to to that and that'll be an interesting uh you because know. it happened before that the fuck Dan Cook stuff happened before you were accused or, or stealing. When I was in Boston, yeah, and I was doing like Dick Doherty rooms and Billy Downs stuff, and you're insecure, Mark. <laughs> you better get on stage, <laughs> Dane. You're very funny. You have to set up chairs if you want to perform here. Oh shit, yeah. All right, so you're at Dick Doherty's comedy vault. When I'm at the vault, and you know, fifteen other rooms of his, and and you know, you name it, whatever, whatever little haunts or Chinese food restaurants or laundromats would take me. Yeah, I was realizing that the guys that inspired me, uh, Martin Short, John Ritter, Steve Martin. I love big personalities. I loved theater. Absurdist. Uh, Bill Cosby himself, major impact on me. Um, and I was an optimistic kid and I, and I didn't want to live in darkness. I wasn't like a dark, you know, didn't drink, didn't do drugs, didn't hang around with a, an element, just real fantastical, imaginative, creative but, guy. But nothing caused that because you do at times have the energy of a motivational speaker. There was nothing that wired you that way. There wasn't some. Here's where that came from though. Kevin Knox, uh, uh, Noxie. Don Gavin, Steve Sweeney. The Kevin Meanies, all these guys, Martin Shorts, SNL, doing Ed Grimley, John Ritter, anything he did. So all comedy. There was no part of you. You never went to a teen counselor that said, you know, be optimistic. You never went to a shrink that said that. No. Because they're, they're, I took a scrimshaw class once. Because that'll I, do it. Carving into bone. It, it, it really. It's <laughs> there was nothing like that though. You but because it's because one thing that's enviable about you and probably. Uh, is at the core of some of the contempt is just the the, the blind confidence of of what you present. Okay, and and uh, and I think people read that as arrogance. But I always read 
into it that like I thought that the, one of the reasons people resonate with you uh, is because you're just having a good time. Right. And there seems to be uh, it, it seems you seem to be excited about something and you have a contagious excitement. Sure. So but that's just natural. That wasn't a decision like was, I'm not going to be dark guy. No, 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 no. It was not a put on the moment. My foot hit it, 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 fearful in life, maybe like that off stage brooding and wondering. And but the minute I stepped on stage, it was like. I felt like that's the only place that I really belong. That's your and high. I could be, I could be happy there. You, I wasn't going to. I could just be myself and share these big ideas and imaginative, creative ideas without people, without having to explain myself with the social anxiety I had with a one-on-one conversation. It was like I could tell you whatever I wanted, get laughs, you know, move people. But off stage, doing that one on one was like uh, one of the most difficult things that you can imagine. For right me. now, okay, so you're going, you're doing Dick's Comedy Vault, you're doing Nick's, you're doing all this stuff. Where where's the contempt start? Um, well, you know, I I knew that I had to leave Boston when some of the guys that I would be featuring for didn't want me to feature anymore because I was a strong middle and I was also, you know, yeah, you're a headliner's nightmare. He's going to close with the speak and spell thing. He's going to make a mess of the room. I'm not going to be able to follow it. And I didn't even have a lot of written material. I had a lot of like manic you know, impressions and like whatever I could do to get a laugh. Well, that's most of it. Whatever you could do to get a laugh. Whatever I could do to get a laugh at the beginning. And and most, but most of you, a lot of what you do is momentum. I mean, a lot of what you do is explosive. I mean, it doesn't, you, you know, you get it to a level. Sure. I mean, yeah. some but of I, it. I, look, I'm not, I'm not criticizing you. I, you know, I, that's your style. But it, it is like, if you get people worked up like that, I could see why a headliner would be like, eh, fucking. Yeah. Up. And at the beginning it was, it was all of that. It was all style, no substance. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, very little in terms of using language to paint any pictures. Right. It was just me up there just... Blasting. Fi- yeah, yeah, exactly. Blasting away. Um, and so when I started kind of, you know, road gigging and, and realizing that, I, oh, okay, headline colleges, I was getting a lot of money, I thought I should be in New York because then I can do like a thousand SUNY schools and I can be like right in the middle of, you know, yeah. what it is to be a comedian, New York City. Mm-hmm. When I got there, I didn't, you know, realize how. I remember when I went up to the comic strip the first night just to start to walk into clubs, and you see all those pictures on the wall of all these guys that you admire, yeah, yeah, and many that you've never even seen of before. But you're like, these guys were here and doing it, and you feel like I'm never going to get it done here. I feel like um, I remember standing there, be like, what right do I have to even be here? Um, But that also drove me to want to. You really have that kind of insecurity? Deeply, yeah. Seriously? Not as much today because I'm very comfortable with myself. I'm balanced. and I Because you always had a lot of swagger. And granted, I did too at some point in my life. And, and, uh, and I knew that I was insecure. Mm-hmm. But you were really frightened? Yeah. And, and you, you... I didn't have any mojo. I didn't have a thing with chicks. I wasn't popular in school. I didn't... I didn't. I never had a clique or a group. I never felt like anybody really wanted me in their gang. But you could, but you could pass in all of them, right? I mean, I mean, most comics are fairly diplomatic. Mm-hmm. I mean, were you, could you move within them? With you weren't like some freak, like you know, there's Dane Cook. It was tough for me, man. In New York, when 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 we first were kind of in whatever circle passing and whatever clubs we were in, for me, it was a constant state of I don't feel like I belong here. But you kept you maintained a certain aloofness that was that was a way of stage. No, but I mean, even socializing that you were so big on stage and it was hard for people not to see you as cocky. It was. And, and you were cocky. A little. 
to to survive in New okay. York City. All yes. right. No, but I mean just in social events. You don't find in like social events, but I was never social because I I would try to hang with which you guys. Which can be at, read as be, well, yeah. Go and ahead. I would but here's the thing. I, I would leave because I felt so uncomfortable, but I knew years later that that did me a disservice that people didn't even know like I should just sit and take the ball busting and and whatever comes at me cuz then maybe you guys would go, "Oh, we get him." But instead, it came across as narcissistic or arrogant or fucking megalomaniac or whatever you guys were saying because I'd put my I'd words. put my hat down, yeah, and I'd bail, right? And it was also like I I came out of Boston with these guys that were like that yeah. were so big and they were performing in front of Knicks five hundred people. Right. Yeah, I get that. And so when I brought that to New York, that was not what was going on in New York. No, it was like fifty people and a hundred people. But it was a lot of guys wanting to be derivative of a tell, and there was a lot of guys, except for maybe like Brewer, who I would do shows with. Well, he's similar to you. I felt like most of what I was up against were guys that were like, "Oh shit, what is what is he doing? What is this clown routine? What is this over the top?" Right. Physicality. So you, uh, my style didn't gel. Right. Where'd you get all those words? That I mean, if if you you the words were that you just listed would be the words that would be like narcissistic, megalomaniacal. What was the other one? Oh, I love vernacular, man. I'm a, no, I'm a I know, but like if, if I was, <laughs> I know words. Right, but if I was to say that you just wrote a list of the words that people use to describe you, and you said like you just popped them out of your head. Uh, no, I mean over the years these are things <laughs> that are people words. said. Those are the words. But with me trying to understand where it came from me trying to really go is that because of people knowing me you you don't know me you and i have never had a real conversation i've no i've never talked to you ever but i i made a i made up a belief of who you were mm. based on just the guy that passed me and the guy that i saw on stage yeah. and i never would have given you more of a shot because well a because i was afraid to but because I would have figured uh, we uh, wouldn't meet in the middle. Yeah, but do you? But but my curiosity is whatever I made up for you was that there had to be some like I know someone was big as, as charisma as you have, and the amount of flack that you get that you've got to be pretty lonely in the middle of all that shit. And that, like, and, and that, you know, I, I just don't know that you have many friends. So whatever I was going to think of you thinking all this swagger, all this money, that you, you're pretty insulated in yourself somehow, because in the middle of all that spinning around and strutting and, 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 uh, and, and performing that, you, you know, I, I, I can't, it must be sort of quiet in there. I've met Steve Martin. Steve Martin was my number one hero. Yeah. I How'd had, that go? I had dinner with Steve Martin uh, two months ago. Uh-huh. I had heard everything about Steve Martin, uh-huh. and I've read everything about Steve Martin, New Yorker, Art, I, I know everything about uh-huh. Steve Martin. The Steve Martin I met is so fucking not Steve Martin. He's very quiet and sort of almost sad, exactly. heavy-hearted. But, 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 uh, but what just- What was that conversation like? It was incredible. Did you guys cry? It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> we, we held each other like only men <laughs> who have an understanding can- uh, But meeting him- I felt like maybe for the first time, and I'm 38, I finally was like, wow, it, part of even why I wanted to sit down with you and, and, and kind of travel in different circles was people don't really know me. They think they know me based on persona, on TV, on Jimmy Kimmel's, on stage. Yeah. But sitting with him and having this conversation over a couple of hours, and I'd read Born Standing Up and everything else, yeah. I was like, wow, man, I, you don't know somebody until you feel somebody look you right in the eyes and go, yeah. this is what I'm about. Yeah. And I'm not about 95% of the shit that people want to think that I'm about. Some of it's laughable, some of it's depressing, and some of it is just at the point now where I'm like, you know what, this needs to be like rectified and understood. Well, how come you don't have any close friends? 
I have tons of close friends. Do you? They're just not all comedians. They're normal, regular people. Where are they? Uh, I like New Englanders. A lot of people back on the East Coast. So you, you, but I have the guys that I came up with. You know, Bill Burr and I started together. Patrice O'Neill, Bobby Kelly. You guys he's still my hang best out? friend. I know they all talk highly. I just of you. drummed with Bill Burr a couple of weeks ago, and then hung out at his spot out here. And yeah, I love Bill Burr. All yeah, right. Patrice, I don't hang with like I used to, and that bums well, me out. Yeah, he's one of the best ever. Yeah, he is one of the best ever. But Bobby Kelly, Al Del Benny has been my friend. So, since. You got, so you got a lot of close friends. You got guys you hang out with every week. I do. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so that's healthy. So you seem to be a healthy guy in that way. I am. I'm very healthy. So let's get back centered to person. Why so many people thought you were horrible? Why do you think that is? I'm just curious. Pick, picking one. Let's pick one thing. One thing that happened was when 2001, when the Comedy Central special first aired, uh, that was really when people started to know, to know who I was. It was the one where I wore a black tank top. I ripped it off at the end. I threw it into the audience. I'm pouring water on myself. Yeah. I thought they'd air that four times like most people. Right. You know, you think, oh, I hope that I can get some eyes on this and maybe it'll help me sell out a gig at like Rascals. Yeah. I had no clue they were gonna that was gonna be highly rated in air every night for two years straight. It was a blessing because it helped build the fan base that I have today. But the curse was this is all people know of me. I did this literally to to be like I'm just going to do some crazy shit and not wear a bowling shirt and Chuckies like 90% of the other guys. Right. So I stand out. Yeah. And it started to build a, you know, kind of a uh, a perspective that people had on my performance and, and my style of comedy. When that started to happen and all the DJs around the country are like, this guy's the best, man. Check him out. Check him out. Check him out. Now you and 10 other comics that are fucking on the road, wailing away, trying to do your thing. What's the first question that every DJ asks you every time? Why aren't you doing what Dane Cook does? Yeah. I, I didn't get that. I question. knew the minute that started happening yeah. that I'm doomed. In a few years, this will the pendulum was going to swing and smash me in the face. So because resentment. So it's... It, one piece of the pie. Yeah. I never thought... I never sat and said, I need to start putting fingers in every hole in dams as it's starting to break. And it will. I've Again, forgetting about just comedians that I admired, I read about all my favorite musicians. I read about all these actors that I... And there's always that page in the memoir where it's like, here's where everything turned to shit. Here's where, uh, you know... I but that, is that really happening, though? I mean, I mean, dude. What? Yes. Really? Let me tell you something, man. Three years ago, my mom got cancer. She yeah. called me up at the peak of my career professionally. She said, I'm dying. She's my best friend in the world. She was my compass. Within seven months, I watch her languish, get really in a lot of pain. I got hospice there. I'm trying to balance being in this career that I love creating, trying to already understand why there's so much backlash, more than what I anticipated. Against you just you. take care of my mother. Right. She dies. A week later... I sit down with my dad. I literally put my hand on his knee. I'm like, Pop, you know, don't go anywhere. Yeah. And for the first time in my life, I see tears in my dad's eyes. And he goes, I have cancer. And I have six months to live. I watched my mom and dad die of cancer in front of me in a year. Do you think I give a fuck what people say about me away from that? Do you really think that I care about what people say after you live through something like that? And you take care of two people. I fought to have a relationship with my dad. That's all I worked on for years. Right. was just trying to figure this guy out. Right. I loved my mom. She wanted to see everything that I did come true. Most of what I did was because yeah. my mom wanted to see that. Yeah. Okay, so you're saying this is heavy stuff. 
when you go through that, I mind heavy. nothing else after that is important to you. And where my life is now and the balance that I have, I don't think about that, man. I don't think about the the rumor and innuendo now the way I used to. But I mean, also, I understand that. that, that I know changes where my fans your... are. I well, just that's what I was them. just going to say. Right. I mean, it seemed that, you know, from the very beginning in that in all that uh, fury over MySpace and your need to uh, to connect with your fans on an intimate level and your ability to maintain it. Yeah. And and what you did to connect with them, even if it was if it wasn't exactly you, maybe a member of your family was at least connecting. Knows me. <laughs> okay. But uh, but I think that despite what anyone thought about that, if anyone resented that or thought like you know fuck him, I think comics are innately insecure. And and I still hear guys say like I'm not going to get on Facebook. Is that you really invented the model? by which comics will judge how to social network. You know, it's not just MySpace anymore, but I think that you were the first guy to see success in that, and it really turned everybody around. So that's the good side yeah. of that. So you're saying to me that you find enough love in those fans that you do have to uh, to stop you from acknowledging or responding to the haters. Exactly. I, I truly never wanted to respond or acknowledge the haters but you're so comfortable in your craft and what you do and 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 how you're doing it that you never doubt yourself or, or listen oh, i do to that. i doubt but i i try not to allow other people to instill doubt in me but so, me personally uh, yeah so none day, of that has hurt your feelings none of the things that people have said about me I wouldn't say none of it has hurt my feelings. You know, yeah, it has hurt my feelings. Things have gotten to me. I even talked about it on stage in my last tour about a fan letter I got that said, your mom and dad died of cancer to get away from your shitty comedy. And I did a whole bit about it to to let people know and to understand that, you know, yes, I found even humor in the most... And then what was the end of that bit? Uh, Didn't he write you another letter? Yes, a year later, I got another email from anonymous at yahoo.com. Yeah. Uh, basically, you know... Uh, it's funny because that's it's actually two things that happened in one. One was it was from an anonymous fan, and the other one, and I'm not going to name his name, but it was from a comedian who is pretty vocal about not uh, being a fan of mine. Where he basically wrote me, he said, "I'm sorry to hear about your mom. Everything else, it's just a game, and it's not really what I truly feel about you." But he wrote to say he was sorry you lost your your mom, right? Yeah. And and then, but uh, we were on the road years back. He remembered me talking about her and and reached out. Well, no, but the but the the way the bit ends on the special is that the guy wrote back to apologize, and he ch- had a change of heart, right? True. And then what'd you do uh, on I, stage? I wrote the guy back, and I basically said something like, um, I, "I'm paraphrasing, of course, but uh, um, you know, I hope your father dies of a brain tumor. You drunk, obnoxious, hypocritical fuck." Right, so no, uh, you didn't accept his apology and you didn't forgive him. I did. There's a tag, but it's the the tag is not as funny when I wrote back and I said that was a joke, dude. I appreciate that. You did apologize. You did say you yeah, said I you. accepted it, and I was like, I. But for the sake of the joke, you said fuck you. Yeah, because what the fuck you is the big laugh and applause, and you're not going to go. Oh, and by the way, you know that's but that's the other muddle part, things up. The other part is the heart, Dane. I know, but that the can, heart that's in that's that can go in a book or in this conversation. But we're not looking necessarily for a lot of heart. We're looking to get big laughs. But I think some people are looking for heart from you because I find that when I talk to people, that the reason like the attitude is is against you is people think you're an asshole. 
I, I, I don't see how that. Do you, don't, you, you don't act like an asshole sometimes. You're not dismissive no. or self-centered or, or uh, you may go too far on stage and hurt someone's feelings. Listen, I, what I do on stage and how that affects people's feelings towards me, if, you, if you're offended by a persona and a performance, I mean, again, it's me, but you know, the, the light switches on, the enhanced entertainment version, I don't know what to do with that. If you have a problem with me personally because of something that's happened off stage, well, we can talk about that. Right. But I, man, if I spoke to every person that had a, an <laughs> issue with me because of comedy... Well, Who I, the fuck knows where we'd be? What do you find the but what do you find that the the criticism really is? Because I can't quite figure it out. I mean, I know there's been plenty of people that that don't have. I don't feel like the criticism exists as much as it was at the height of the white hot spotlight of whatever was ha- Time Magazine and all that a few years ago. I don't I don't get it as much today. I just never understood how you were the antichrist of comedy. I didn't understand that. And then I don't then, think I was even ever that. No, but I, I mean you were represented something. I mean I I just don't I never quite understood it. I was not on that bandwagon. And then like uh, you know the tides got worse when you got called out for the stealing of Louis CK. Right. Uh, and what what happened with that? Did you did you credit him as a a writer on the first CD? I no. Oh. No. Okay. I didn't credit Louis C.K. because I never stole anything from Louis C.K. I listen. I listened to your uh, interview with Carlos Mencia. Carlos Mencia is obviously very guilty of taking words verbatim and taking them from people. Whatever he has copped to, I know. I watched I Am Comic or something the other night. I Am a Comic. Yeah, right, right. And even I don't know what that rant was, but I would watch him sometimes, literally, and listen to that interview and go. How can I can how can I can really convey to people so that they understand that I've never stole I've never stolen anything in my life, Mark. If you're going to look at a person and accuse them of something like that, you look at my legacy. I'm not a thief in life. I don't steal anything. I don't have police records. I've never taken anything. I even my close friends. I don't know how well you know Bobby Kelly's or if you talk to guys like that who yeah. know me the longest. You know you. They're going to look at you. They're going to go, man, you're crazy to think that Dane Cook steals. Well, no, I don't think that like anyone says that you were a pathological stealer. I mean, the the only things I've heard about really were the Louis thing, which you guys dealt with. And, you know, whether I mean, I'm, I, there are people that don't steal. They they just do. It just happens. I, I realize that the Robin Williams of the world who absorb. Right. I mean, you know, but I don't. Even... In essence, though, we're talking about in my lifetime, in 20 years of stand up. We're talking about four concepts, three things that we could talk about with Louie and I, and a Joe Rogan thing that happened in, in 97. Right. That's it. Out of all the material I've ever recorded and all the bits that you've ever seen me do, yeah. Yeah. we're talking about four kind of concepts. We're not talking about verbatim. We're not talking about things lifted and manipulated. And dude, that's the same punchline. The... There's none of that. You, I, I, I heard that you once accused someone of stealing your essence. Yeah, Steve Byrne. What, now, now, what does that mean exactly? Steve Byrne. I, I understand it, actually. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because this is the the only time I have ever called somebody or said, I, I need to talk to you about something, is Steve Byrne, who I think is a very talented guy. But essence is an interesting word. It is an interesting word. And, and when we had that conversation, which I thought was a private conversation, which I thought was just Steve and I. I remember I called Steve. I said, listen, can we, because a bunch of people around LA were saying, wow, man, he's like, he's doing you. It's uh-huh. like watching you, the cadence, the tempo, the little tricks and, you know, stuff that we all have, the little, uh-huh. the ums or the, you know, whatever it is that you put together to make your, you know, your, your rhythms. Uh-huh. 
So, and then just general, like, POV stuff, just the way he was, you know, I, I think I have a kind of a unique perspective on the way I approach a joke or a story or routine. And so I called him, I said, you know, will you come over and, you know, talk to me about this? About I remember your, we came about over. your essence? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> That's not the way the conversation all went. All right, all right. One piece of maybe a two-hour conversation yeah. that I had with him. And the thing that was strange about the conversation was it was a great conversation. We It wasn't me sitting there saying, dude, you're... You're doing this and you're taking... It was not. We sat on my porch. Uh, we sat on my the front stoop of this building that I was living in for about two hours. Uh-huh. Um, we talked about what he was doing. And you know what? Since I never went out and started you know, blogging or, or one of those people that when somebody says something about me that I know is getting around, it's like, I'm going to start telling what really happened. You know, the same with the Louis stuff. Not everybody knows that whole story. There's more to like that back and forth than what people realize. But you, but he chose, to, you both chose to keep it. Yeah, but we sat there and we talked about it and I finally said, you know, and I did say to him, I go, Steve, but I didn't go like this, you are stealing my essence. I probably said, you know, Steve, it's like you're not being you. It's like you're being me. It's like you're trying to act like me, dress like me. And he even admitted to me at that time in his life, you know what, I'm not where I want to be. Even my own family's looking at me saying, you know, this he, isn't you. I mean, too the much guy, like Dane. By the end of the no, not that no, but just that he wasn't being Steve. Right, right. By mm-hmm. the end of the conversation, I remember I shook his hand. I said, "You know what, Steve? I like you. I think that you're really talented." And I and I go and I know that everybody goes through these times where we get a little bit lost and try to figure out what the fuck we are on stage. I want to be a friend to you. I want to like. I'd rather be closer to you than feel like we're awkward and now we're going to see each other in clubs and it's weird. I thought we walked away from that conversation. I remember I walked into my girlfriend. I go, that's one of the best conversations I've ever had. And comics have these conversations every night. There's a comic somewhere going, dude, dude we have the same. Th- not, <laughs> no, I know. I'm sorry. You want so badly, Mark. To I like, to, I like that. No, I like no, the but, line. And I know your humor and I know, and I appreciate it. <laughs> and I know that's something you, you want to be able to, I get it. You want Darth Vader to be Darth Vader. You don't want it to be Anakin. No, I like And you want me to be Darth Vader. No, I don't. I but just the like, mask is off and I'm letting you know no, that. No, I know the I, mask isn't completely off, but I, I, I like. But it is. I like stealing your essence. <laughs> I do. I like that. And I, I'm glad that you, it's, no, it's a great, it's poetic. <laughs> I understand it. I I call it a drive shaft. You see, you're misunderstanding. You're thinking I'm attacking you or not. But I can tell when someone takes someone's drive shaft. Like you said, there's a lot of people doing a tell. There's a lot of people doing Hedberg's. A lot sure. of people doing Todd exactly. Berry. Exactly. And that's what I was getting across. Yeah. Right. I was just enjoying the poetry of it. But I do call it a drive shaft. Uh, pl- uh, you know what? That's that's okay. Right. You, well, you can, I can have drive shaft. No, you, you can have can essence. Enjoy. <laughs> yes. I'll take drive okay. shaft. All right. Or delivery system. I like as well. Essence is the same thing. Okay. Do you like that? Yeah. Fine. I mean, we're just arguing over poetry. I can't a guy appreciate another guy's poetry without you, you thinking. I've never it. used that terminology except for that conversation. But uh, but yes, I can. Hear and it a, became it I, was it was so good it had to get out. That's what, it, it, you know, I didn't hear it from Steve Byrne. Right. But but the idea of you saying someone stealing your essence to it was so uh, it was so good it had yeah. to be talked about. I can understand the way when you we're when gossips. you turn it when you turn it into a a, a soundbite it is hilarious. And if I heard it, I'd probably fuck around with it too. Well, you do kind of conjure up pictures of you and your, your wherever you are up in the hills, and you summon Steve. It's like you have stolen my essence. Give it back. All right, if that's what you want, if that really is what you want to believe, if that's what it conjures up, then here's what I picture. I pictured, I pictured you looking out right. of your house. Come over to my house tonight. All right, come see where I live. Don't you have a view? Come see. That's not a lair in some. You know, but you I'm, have a view, like, right? 
I do. Okay, so I was picturing you looking out over over Los Angeles. At that know, time, I did not live there. But Oh, but you were like, you know, with your robe on going, someone has taken my essence. I can feel it in the force. That's how I pictured it. All right. Come if, on. If that's what makes you happy. Come on. I'm a jeans and t-shirt guy. I'm not big into fucking robes and a wizardry. Robe. No wizardry? No. But you have the personality of a wizard. You could be. You could stand on a mountain with a scepter and, and summon wind. Yeah. Okay. So you're getting a little defensive. There's no reason. I'm not. Wouldn't. I'm not. Defensive. Here I'm having. A good I'm time. trying to understand how you perceive me, and so I'm trying to. I'm trying to see what you see. I perceive you as a guy that is uh, uh, very ambitious, uh, yes. very, very uh, in control of his skill set. Uh, uh, is creative, loves attention, is decent to his fans, has a lot of them. Uh, I do think that you, uh, out of necessity, have a blind spot uh, in terms of, of of how people really see you because you choose to turn shit off. I think you have the focus of a motivational speaker, and it's very engaging. It's electrifying. I felt it over the phone. Um what what else do I also think? Um, I think you're a, a bit of a control freak, and uh, and that uh, when things aren't going your way, you must be a real motherfucker. Do you have any water? <laughs> I I need one right now. Okay. <laughs> I am very ambitious. I'm absolutely a big dreamer. I love creating. But, but you're so wrong about being a motherfucker or whatever goes with that. When I, you don't get what you want. When I don't get what I want, I've always understood that I'm just not always going to get what I want in this world. I get it. Seriously. Yeah, man. You've never thrown a temper tantrum. N- not where I make people feel badly about themselves. I, I've gotten mad. Yeah, I go home and I fucking get mad. But I'm not an angry person. I don't. I don't lash out. I don't go home and kick the dog. I'm not one of those people. I'm, I'm the furthest thing from a motherfucker. If anything, what I've always really wanted, mm. and why I did things like tourgasm and stuff, was like, I just want to feel part of a gang. I wanted to feel part of an ensemble of people. That's why it's like people go, "Why do you like to do movies versus stand up?" I said, "I always love stand up more." But I like when a director goes, this is what I need. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. And then I get to work with a bunch of people that have their own ideas of where we're going. And then we collectively get there together. That actually makes me happier than feeling like I'm by my... I did what I did as hard as I did it alone for so many years. So I wouldn't need to be alone anymore. Oh, because you wanted to get friends. Because I just wanted to feel like a part of a, a community. Okay. And I realized that it wasn't necessarily going to be comedy because comedy wasn't sports. It wasn't like you beat your opponent and they go, hey, but you know what? He deserves it. It's a it's a good game. It wasn't going to be like that. But it's not to say, Mark, that I didn't, you know, I guess we're kind of painting it as like it's me verse. The people I love and admire in the, in the comics that I came up wanting to emulate that I've had a chance to actually sit with sometimes or meet with, they they get it. And they've maybe been through things that you don't know until you've been to my level that you just don't get. And what comes at you, you don't know. But Chris Rock knows and Steve Martin knows and Bill Cosby knows about the failure part of it, about the people believing that you're a motherfucker because you have because you want to be able to control a situation and say, you know what? I know what's best because I'm the guy with the idea. And what that means to somebody standing on the corner being told like, all right, you need to go do this. 
And so w- when this stuff's coming at me and you're saying, yeah, you're a motherfucker, it's like, no, I, I'm determined. And I'm the, I want to be the foreman. I do want to be like, I know how this building needs to be built. And I know that I'm 20 years into a career that I want to be 80. I've done every arena, everywhere, with 20,000 people. Uh, a million people came out to my tour last year. I had It was the first time I'd smiled since my folks passed away. Uh-huh. I just wanted to get out there and be happy, man, and make other people happy. Uh, and so now that I'm back and really feeling healthy, it's like, I, I just want to... I just want to take them in different places. So you want to set up a production organization. Sure. So you're going to create a whole other thing that you're going to draw from the audience you have and build your uh, and build your mountain. Yeah, I mean, can just uh, again because you're talking business now. I mean, this is business. Well, it's creative. It's it's they dance together. It's like oh, I can think of an idea and put it down on paper, and if it's funny or moving, then the fans are happy. So it yeah, it's it's Were the you business always, of comedy. That's right. Were you always thinking along those lines? Always. You're like, I, how do I become a superstar? When, no, it wasn't how can I be a superstar, but you know, when I was um, hanging out with my pop once, I remember he was, I remember telling him because we were help, I was helping him with a sign for a company that he was yeah. putting up, and he was like excited because the paints that he used were orange and white, and he was like, look at the other window businesses, everybody else uses like blue, but I'm gonna stand out because I'm using orange, and he had this thing about self promotion. He was so interested in finding new ways to attract people mm-hmm. now once they're there you know they might peek in and go um, i'm not interested but nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd and that's the the thing that i remember him stating to me early on right and that and then in the same way you said at the beginning you do anything necessary to get laughs at that time and anything i could to just get noticed so that people it's the it's those guys that you know maybe play the drums on the streets and then they're going to do a thing where they jump over people and they go everybody line up everybody and you get a whole crowd in new york and everyone yeah. stands around and you know, you wait for 20 minutes while they're, you know, trying to make a couple of bucks to, to you know, right. maybe ju- it's like, all right, there's people that hang out and go, is this worth it? Those people are going to go, uh, I, I, there's 10 out. other things I'd rather do, you know. It seems that somehow or another that, you know, like, I know you listen to the Carlos episode and you're not the same animal as he is. That, you, you know, that somehow or another you're weathering this storm uh, of, of dissent. And and that somehow or another, even with the stealing accusations, you seem to be doing okay. So do you feel that those things stuck or they didn't stick or what? It definitely some of it sticks. I and what does I, that mean? I mentioned like, you know, there's always going to be a Wikipedia entry somewhere that people's going to say, you know, uh, you know, this guy stole, he's a thief. Um, but what does it mean in the broader sense of, of, of you know, because you well, know. In, a, in, a, in, a, in an industry that's like built on theft and stealing of ideas and you know we can name 10 names but the the quentin tarantinos who say i lifted this whole thing or rap stars that everybody lifts everybody steals there was a moment in my life i remember it was like after i was going through all that stuff with my mom and pops where it was like i just want to like what the cleanse that i do dude i wish i fucking stole so i could say i stole those bits so i could just release something but I, but because I didn't, and I can't, I'm not a liar. I was like, I just need to like. Time will finally show through more things that I create. I need to ten years from now have five new hours that you and I can look at and go, okay, yeah, that has nothing to do no, with. And, and I'm sure you will do that. But in in the sense of like, you know, right now that like, was there a point where you're like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna ride this out because you kept it between the two of you. 
Yep. You know, for the most part. Yep. And I know some of that got out and he did some of it on stage, but he was pretty, uh, he took the high road uh, in, in comparison to some people. Louis did. Right. And, and you guys spoke. But even we once. E- we emailed. We emailed. Okay. Even once that had happened, you know, you at some point knew, like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get rid of this. Yeah, because Louis is a very, very well respected, incredible comedian who has a lot of uh, fans and a lot of people that support him. Well, what the fuck happened? There was these three bits that were similar. One bit was something that about naming your kid a crazy name that, to be honest with you- I remember that Louis bit. But it's a Steve Martin bit. All right, so, okay. So you stole from Steve Martin. But I'm not saying, no. (laughs) And am I saying that Louis stole something from Steve Martin? No. I'm saying that it's an idea or a concept where Steve Martin's original, I'm going to name it my kid, and then- in 1992, I wrote a joke where I said, I'm going to name my kid nonstop flight from Boston to Los Angeles just to fuck him up for when he's trying to book pl- travel plans for the rest of my life. Right, so you're saying that because the nature of the absurdity of... Absurd, of what, of, yes. Louis's not even absurd anymore, but there was a time where he was sure. more of an absurdist that the influence could have trickled down and absurdism is what it is. That right. it's a roll of the dice. Right. Another concept where he's talking about like uh, a guy getting hit on the bike... And I talk about uh, the way you react to somebody, or like saying like bad oh, thing. I know, I remember that joke. I mean, what literally, was your joke? I remember driving with my mother in Arlington, Massachusetts. She's in the passenger seat, and she used to be one of those people that stepped on a fake pedal. Yeah, and uh, does that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, man. We're talking about these little, tiny, tic tac size concepts. But it was that thing, Mark, where it was like, okay, I want to be able to look at this and go, people who want to mention me in the name of like a Carlos. Yeah. I mean that's yeah I don't, that's I don't, a far cry. No, I don't really think that. <laughs> I don't, no, I, I think you're right, and and I think that's one of the reasons why you know this stuff has, has it, it it is what it is. Like you said, it's going to stick, but you know it's not some sort of weird serial pattern of It'll, taking everything. It 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 fucked me up. It fucked me up for a little bit at a time when I was already fucked up because of what I was dealing with. I didn't say anything. I don't want to fight back. I didn't know. Like you said, oh, I'm a motherfucker. A motherfucker would have been like every morning radio guy that I would have been out there going, let me tell you what this guy said or did or the side of the story that I didn't hear from Louie about, you know, maybe the way. I, I, but, I, but I think what you were I didn't, saying. I didn't want to. No, but it I, doesn't I, matter. Well, Because you know, it's not he said, she said. It doesn't matter. What matters is what is out there now that's still perpetuated. Now there's a place here, or even when I did Howard, where I can, you're hearing me say, it, it has nothing to do with me. It, I did not take those things. And it sucks that they're similar, and I wish that they weren't. I really do. So it would have nothing to do with me. But it does, and all it makes me do, Mark, is want to work harder and create something original again that people look at and go, that's that's Dane's. Well, that seems to be happening a bit. Yeah. And uh, and and also I, I you know I appreciate you talking about it because I, I mean it wasn't you know it wasn't you know something that I was pressing to find but that when you get to a certain level uh, that you're going to be taken down and that yeah. you know like you know I, my first instinct when you were comparing yourself to Chris Rock or to Steve Martin you know I was thinking like who the fuck does this guy think he is and I'm like he's the guy that sells out Madison Square Garden. I mean, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, despite what anyone may think or whatever I may think of you sitting in my garage, these are sort of rarefied air that you're breathing and that, you know, the, the type of reaction you have to have and, and how you handle these things, uh, it has to be very calculated and very political. Yeah. Yeah. So, and probably, uh, I probably made a lot of mistakes by not being as calculated or political earlier on when they did happen. That was probably my biggest mistake is that I just said, 
Oh, it'll just go away. Because I didn't think of myself the way people go, dude, this guy's like, I don't, I'm not the guy that thinks I'm Madison Square Garden center of everything. The second my foot steps off that stage, I feel like a regular normal guy. I still feel like the same kid in high school that just wanted to like be in Star Wars for the rest of my life. Right. There should have been more people around me, maybe even, or, you know, like yourself who would say, you should speak to this. Get, hire a publicist who can help you to go to the right sources so that people understand really what you're about. They may still hate your comedy. They still may go like, that guy's not funny. He sucks. That's okay. But at least they'll understand and hear my my perspective on it. Know that I, I, don't, I don't admire or look upon people that hack or take jokes in any positive way. I don't run in those circles. And I certainly don't want to be affiliated with that. And I take a lot of pride in my original material. Well, to be honest, like I don't, I didn't find here that you. I think you thought I thought you were worse than you were. I think that you thought I had a preconceived notion. But I had them. a preconceived notion about you. And despite listening to your show and enjoying your show, regardless of like, because I, I remember meeting you and I, I, I thought that you were kind of rude and I thought that you were not very uh, approachable. And that's I exactly the same feeling I had about you. But I didn't, you know, look, I didn't know that maybe you were dealing, I don't know, uh, you know, you brought up alcohol. Maybe you were dealing with uh, demons. Maybe you were had some, you know, things going on in your life that made you less susceptible to being open to people other than yourself. Yeah, but but you described yourself as being exactly that. Right. But I came, I came to you because I wanted to sit and really understand, Mark. But was what I, I'm saying is, was I, I right about that guy? And I know this is just like a but sliver is, but, of getting but to know you're somebody. You're the same guy. You're the guy that wouldn't hang around. You're the guy that walked out early. You're the guy that intimidates people because. But do of you your understand energy. a little more why now? Well, no, but I understand that we might have similar personalities at yeah. the core of this fear. But <laughs> it was fear. Yeah, but I, at that time, I, well, I guess it, then it's fear in in my in my sense too. But like I, you know, I didn't have you pigeonholed in any way. I, I, I really didn't. I, I mean, I understood what you did from your no, materials. You, just, you put me in a place, and I put you in a place psychologically. I feel like and then the people that know you and respect you, you yeah. would go, and you would say, I don't like him, and here's why. And you know what? They respect you, and they go with you. The only thing negative I ever said about you, ever, when anyone brings you up, is that like I say, that guy doesn't really bother me. I don't know why everyone's angry at him. He doesn't really right. bother me. He's an empty vessel full of fuel. And people would come That's to me and say. say, hey, do you ever bump into Mark? And I go, that guy is like an ominous demon. There's like, And I would say dark things about you. Uh -huh. But but the goal for me throughout, not just today, but for the past several years is like, let me get to know and meet some of these people that there's no reason to have any kind of weird animosity or whatever it is that lingers between or maybe things that I did or that I, you know, perpetuated or you did. Right. Let's figure it out and be able to go, okay, you know what? We're just guys trying to get laughs, man. At the center of it, it's like just trying to live an honest life, make a few bucks, keep keep your family healthy and happy. So are we both saying we're overcoming our fears and that uh, perhaps there's a... I think there's a fucking buddy movie with you and I in it. Like, really? you know, our own midnight run. I don't like to live with fear in my heart. I get very fearful, like most people too. You go... Oh, that you know, you you ruminate. And you go, oh, is this guy? What's going to happen when I finally sit with him? And I, yeah, I could have avoided. Not, Bill's like, dude, you should do the show. I'm like, I'm a fan of the show. That's a great. That's a great sign. Burr said I should do it. I'm a little intimidated by Mark. You know, from how I you know viewed him years ago. Fuck it. I'm just going to go sit here and just be myself. And you'll either like me or not. And by the end, and you know, your fans or whoever chime in will still have a perspective based on this conversation. 
Half of them be like, you know, he wasn't such a bad guy. The other half would be like, you pussied out. You didn't go yeah. hard enough on him. Patrice O'Neill, you can't fuck with the truth. He said it to me in 1994 at the back of Nick's Comedy Stop, and I've never forgotten it, and I just try to be that no matter what. No, I, 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 feel, I feel good about what we've done here. You do? Yeah. <laughs> you? Yeah. All right. Well, then let's, uh, let's call it a day. We'll shake because All right. you are filming this. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, if there's something we need to talk about again, we'll do it another time. That sounds good. I, I enjoy your show. I'd love to come back. Thanks, Please Dan. have me back. Sure, man. I think it went good. All right. So because I mentioned as he was walking out, Dane was uh, running off, and I said, do you, do you grind your own coffee? Because I was going to give him uh, his uh, parting gift of a bag of JustCoffee.coop coffee, perhaps WTF blend. Uh, and he said no, and he ran off, and then all of a sudden he had a lackey or somebody who works at his company, I guess his new wave or something. Wave. I don't know. Some guy shows up with me to sign for a package, and I'm like, what the hell is this? And, so, and he said it's from something, something production company. I'm like, well, I didn't, what did I do? And then I, he'd bring it in, and it's like, uh, it's like six pounds of this coffee, vanilla, hazelnut. But it was a nice thing to do. To Mark, this is the card, from motherfucker Dane Cook, high above the world wearing a robe. And in parentheses, a.k.a. at IHOP in sweatpants eating egg whites on wheat toast. He said, until running charades happens, I enjoy doing your show and everything that comes with it. Nice guy. And I appreciate that. Thank you, Dane. And uh, best of luck to you holding on to the reins of your success. And... Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF podcast needs. Get on that mailing list. I'm enjoying putting it together. So that's happening. Uh, get some w, Get some JustCoffee.coop. Hit the Audible link. Uh, look up Stitcher. Do it. You know, support our sponsors. And please let us know what's on your mind. Follow us on Twitter. Send us a little money. That would be very nice because Brendan and I are doing this for a living. And I'm thinking about creating some new t-shirt designs. So inspire me. Someone sent a Nerdcock t-shirt design that's actually palatable that I might make. Aside from that, uh, the Reno gig was canceled, if anyone was looking forward to that. I don't know why. I had nothing to do with it. I'll be in New York the third week of July. I'll get you in the loop on that stuff. Uh, July 16th, I just got a confirmation from Craig Robinson for the live WTF at UCB here in Los Angeles. I'm rambling at the end. You know, I was a little manic at the beginning and I think I have a lot of clarity. I even sense that the tone and the way that my diction is flying out of my mouth has something to do without uh, with the obstacle of a nicotine being removed. I hope I can stay off it. I'm doing it for me because I didn't want my fucking mouth to rot. See, I got a little edge. A little edge. All right. I'll talk to you later.